Thank you for tuning in into the New Life Church Downtown Podcast. If you would like to get connected, follow us on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock or email us at downtown.podcast at newlifechurch.tv. We need the deep things of the Spirit of God, right? Don't we? And uh, to, be, to be filled with the Spirit. I, I think that we don't want a little bit. Uh, we need oxygen, and we need water, and we need protein, and vitamins, and minerals. But not only do we need shelter, but we need the Holy Spirit. So I'm just going to get right into the gifts of the Spirit and where they're located. There are about 20 different gifts of the Spirit throughout the Bible. But in Corinthians, we go to these nine gifts. So there are others. But I'm going to talk about these nine. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 8. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge. By means of the same Spirit. I'm going to teach on each one of these a little bit later on. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gift of healing. It actually is plural. Gifts of healing. By that one Spirit. To another Miraculous powers to another prophecy. This is one of the ones that's very hard to explain. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, the ability to speak in unknown languages. That one's also hard to understand. While another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. So today it's like you're going to be drinking from a fire hydrant. It's going to be plenty to drink but hard to get. If you don't listen quickly, all right? So here's where I want to be clear. Around the gifts of the Spirit, I just want to be as honest as I possibly can. Uh, here's, here's a point of repentance as a pastor. I need to confess something. I've seen so many flaky people in churches around this topic that I personally believe that most of the time I swing the pendulum too far away from what the Lord might want to do next. Trying too hard not to be spooky. Trying too hard to to be relevant or whatever it might be. Uh, It actually comes from a major desire that I have for us to move people further in a deep relationship with God. But the problem is, if you're not careful... You will move people to Christ, but then they'll be dry and weary. Some of you, it's even awkward for you to be around the beginning of a church service because you're so dry and weary, you don't understand this worship thing. And even the worship is like a prelude to the service. But that's not the intention of God. You need worship. You were created to be a worshiper. It's not the worship leaders up here. It's all of us. You might not be able to sing a lick. I've sat in front of some of you, and it is horrible. But the Lord likes it, and that's good to me. In fact, one of my favorite things is to see somebody worshiping the Lord with all their heart when they can't sing or clapping when they don't have rhythm. It does mess me up, but I love all that. So this desire is real. But we are peculiar, but if you think about it, If you want to think about your intelligence, intellectually speaking, a lot of the word doesn't make sense. You think about it, the virgin birth, weird, without faith. 
Jesus walking on water. Pretty weird. Raising people from the dead. Demons being cast out of people in one place, cast out of people and put in the pigs, and then they ran in the water and drowned. Pretty weird. One time they couldn't pay their taxes, so Jesus said, go and fish, and the first fish you catch, look in its mouth and there's going to be money there. Grab it. About Jesus raising from the dead. Weird. One day there's going to be a trumpet sound and heaven's going to open up and we're going to be raptured, caught in the sky. That is weird, especially for me. I'm afraid of heights. I worry about that day. But here's the truth. I'm praying that your time at NLC, that you will have moments where the Spirit of God wrecks you. It happens to me. Ministry can be overwhelming. And I personally have to have this, and I do. And I want to make sure that you have more of the things of God. But it's hard because it's hard personally to keep a balance on this topic. And uh, to speak it with clarity, but Paul was very bold in Corinthians because the people went wacko. And he said, let me tell you about boundaries. And some of you are so strange because all you do is you think about your gift and the way you live and you're doing nothing for the body of Christ. So I have to think about, does everything around the things of God have to happen on a Sunday morning or can they happen in other places? I got to think about how do we teach this? When do we teach it? How do we practice it? Where do we practice it? Prophecy alone has gotten so crazy. People just saying, thus saith the Lord and speaking about the whole nation. And we buy their newsletters and we buy everything they say. And we don't even know their character, where they go to church, what their convictions are. If they are stoned half the day. Just because someone says, thus saith the Lord, doesn't mean it is of God. But these are the end times. And I think because of that, we're going to be dealing with things like the Antichrist, the mark of the beast. Read the book of Revelation. So we have to have, we have to have the Holy Spirit to guide us more than we ever have. Let me give you one example. When my daughter Grace was about three or four years old, uh, the best that I can tell without any exaggeration is that it appeared to us that she was dying. And her hair was falling out and her skin was drying up and she was lethargic. It happened so slowly that we didn't even really notice it. It was family that came in to visit that pulled us to the side and said, you need to check your daughter. She doesn't look good. And I looked over her at her. I'll never forget when I... When I looked at her, that's when I realized something's wrong with grace. So we took her in for blood work every day. And they, they, they said, oh, it looks like cancer. It looks like leukemia. It looks like this organ. It looks like that. And uh, we'll find out tomorrow. We're doing more tests. And taking her every day, the poor girl was so messed up that when they would stick needles in her, she even feel it. There was a Baptist lady in our church. One of the gifts of the Spirit is a word of knowledge. And uh, this lady in our church, a Baptist lady, had a dream, didn't even know Grace was sick, had a dream that Grace was sick. 
and that in the dream she heard someone say, it's the thyroid. This happened to my family. You can deny what you want, but this happened. And so the next day we took her to get blood work. Uh, we walked in and, and I said, hey, check her thyroid, because the lady had told us a story and you just have to check the thyroid. And the doctor said, it's not the thyroid, you only wish. And my sweet little wife pointed at the lady and she said, check it. <laughs> so she checked it. <laughs> Later on that day, that lady called and said, you are so blessed. We just found out it was a thyroid. So we need discernment in raising our kids. And I'm just going to be honest. The Lord has been good at leading this church. He's given us discernment. He has guided us from traps. I can't even tell you. I tell people bits and pieces here and there, but I could speak all day long about a moment here and a service here and a small group and online in different places. So many traps that the enemy tried to hurt us and he just keeps losing. And it's, it's hard to, to figure out how you're going to do ministry around this because I, I was thinking it this way, that if, if children's ministry is stuck at New Life, we'll go and study the best church around this subject. If our systems have gotten out of track, we'll go and study. I'll, I'll do a Zoom call or a phone call. I'm always trying to learn from the best. But on this topic, I don't know where to go. Find a lot of people who are weary and dry and not open and others who are strange and weird and nothing's happened. I know some people are acing this. That's not what I'm saying. But I do believe the Lord is asking for us to get the balance right on this because the body of Christ as a whole needs this. So here's how I see it. Our church is 20 years old, but I kind of see it this way. It's like new life is a lot like a 20-year-old man or woman that we're finished with grade school now and we have finished our gap year. We're no longer teenagers. Uh, theologically speaking, God doesn't have any grandchildren. If you're raising your kids, your hope is one day they'll step out and be their own child. I believe New Life Church is right about there. We finished our gap year uh, and now the Lord is asking for us to grow up. Fully devoted followers of Christ. And I want a church that's stepping out more and more because we can't move from glory to glory if we don't have any glory. So the results are, what is wrong with a church that's praying over people who have needs, deeper relationships in small groups? What's wrong with believing for miracles? Is there anything wrong with a miracle for a marriage where there's no hope? I was on the phone yesterday and this week with, with people. It's like if the Lord doesn't just show up in that home, they might be in trouble. What's wrong with the Lord setting people free from depression or healing them from something that's broken inside of their body? What is wrong with lingering worship like every week? Okay, you're dismissed. You can go. But for anybody who needs more prayer, come up here. We're going to be praying. Up. But we, it's COVID season, so it's a little complicated to do. So even now, we have to be led by the Holy Spirit on even how to do that. Like this series that God gave me, that told me to do this month, way back in the fall, if I'm not mistaken. Because I think it's important for us to be led by the Spirit of God. Are y'all out there, anybody? But inside of this church, I want to let you know we have a wide spectrum of people who see this 
part of the scripture in different ways. There's some people even on our staff that are far ahead of me, way ahead of me on this. There are members and leaders and staff people who are way behind me on this. Some of you heard, oh, gifts of the Spirit. You brought your tambourine and a shofar today. Bring it home. But I do believe that I have to figure out how, in, in fact, when I think about this, there's two, two things that I don't see in our church. Thank the Lord. I don't see people who are members of our church who do not want more of the things of God. And I also don't see the crazy theology that believes that you don't, you're not even saved. There's one whole denomination that believes you're not even saved unless you have certain gifts of the Spirit. What? It's just crazy chatter. We can't earn our salvation. That alone, the Bible says salvation is grace is a gift. So I'm thankful that we don't have that. But here's what it reminds me of. Last week, uh, we dealt with some ice. Raise your hand if you fell on ice, at least one. Look at you. Okay, if you fell on ice, here's what I know. Okay, it hurt. <laughs> here's what else I know. If you fell on ice, you fell when you were confident. Like the most secure place to be on ice is when you're insecure. Because the moment you're confident, like I got this, bam! It's better to walk carefully. I think it's a lot like this in terms of the Spirit of God. We got to be careful. And I want to also say that this topic is not an essential belief. It is not. The Trinity is the sacredness of the Word, the divine nature of God, the, the virgin birth, the death, burial, and resurrection. This is not one of the essentials. But it is very difficult for us to grow in our relationship with the Lord when we kick out one-third of the triune God. And I want to tell you something else. What's awkward is trying to serve the Lord without it. So here's a story to, to illustrate this before I get into some teaching, okay? I read about this a few years ago, and I think a lot of people are not hungry for more God because they don't like the way the gifts are packaged. This father, very wealthy, he had one child. He was raising that son, trying to get him to serve God. He was always pushing, maybe even too hard, about the word, the things of God. And his son rebelled in his high school years. Uh, his mom had died at an early age, didn't have any siblings. He went off to college, and he and his dad, they, they just did not flow. His dad kept trying to reach him, uh, but he would not answer. And he just told his dad, I hate you. I don't want to have anything to do with you. I'm sick of you. I'm living my life. But towards his senior year, they started developing a little bit of a relationship. He went and met with his dad, and it was good. Uh, his dad kept trying to tell him about the things of God, but this kid, he just, he, just wanted, he just wanted to live in the world. One day, they were driving by this incredible, very expensive car parking lot, I should say dealership, and he said, Dad, that's the car that I want, several hundred thousand dollars. And his dad says, son, I think there's other things you need more than that. So they argued a little bit, but then they settled down. On graduation day, his dad called him into his office and he said, here, I have a gift for you. And he handed him a box and it was just a box and the kid was already mad. This is not what I want. And he opened it up and he saw that it was a Bible and he took it and he threw it at his dad. And he said, see... 
you don't even try to understand me. And he left. This kid didn't talk to his dad for a long time. Met his wife, got married, had kids, no conversation. The father's still trying to reach him. And one day they started talking and they decided to hang out and go on a trip together. And so the kids were all ready to go. They were going to meet grandfather. And as they were traveling there, they got the phone call that his dad had died. So he went to the mansion and people are working and moving things around. And he just can't take it. He goes in the office, which was the last place he had saw his dad. And while he's sitting there crying with lots of regret... He looked on the bookshelf in that partially open gift. He never even got to the gift fully. He saw it on the bookshelf and he grabbed it. He cleared out. His dad was still working on things at the desk before he died. And he just cleared it out and put the gift there and opened it. He saw that it was, you know, the Holy Bible. And then he saw his name engraved. He had never seen that. And then he saw it bookmarked. And so then he turned to the bookmark area and read this verse in Matthew 7, 11. It says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And this man, this young man, he, was, he just held it. And when he held it, a key fell out of this book. A car key. And this young man picked up the key and immediately remembered the big warehouse in the back with all of his dad's cars. And he went in there and he started hitting the lock and he looked and under, under this cover full of dust, he hadn't seen this ever before, removed the dust and the, the cover and, and there was the car that he had dreamt about. And you can imagine how he wept. And I think the Father is trying to reach us very similarly. But you keep missing it because you don't like the way the gift looks when you first look at it. And it's clearly written in the book, but we don't know the beautiful things of heaven that are in there because we will not read. Now, with that in mind, I'm going to move on to why we don't accept some of the gifts now, but I, I'm a confident person. I, I always, uh, for some reason, I'm just wired that way, but there is one place of major insecurity in my life, and it's buying Michelle gifts. And uh, I just don't like doing it because I always get a bad gift. She doesn't like really nice things. If I bought her a coach purse, she, would, she, would, she wouldn't want nothing wrong with that. She doesn't want something really expensive. She She's just hard to buy for, I'm telling you. It's scary out there. But I found out my daughters can help me the last two or three times. I'm like, I got my A game. She likes jewelry, but not too nice. In fact, don't tell her. I get it at a pawn shop, all right? Tight, don't tell anybody. But she, she just loves it. But it hit me. The reason why she didn't like the gifts before is because they're not good gifts. It was not like she liked a good gift. How much better are the gifts that Father, Father has to give to you? But one of the reasons doctrinally why a lot of people shut this down is because 1 Corinthians 13 says, but whether there are prophecies, they, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but 
When that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. Okay, some churches actually teach that when the perfect came, there was no need for a lot of these. And then the perfect for them is the scripture after it was canonized. The scripture that made the cut to be in the Bible. And they believe that was the perfect, so there's really no need for any of this. But I I don't believe myself that way. I believe the perfect is Jesus, and I believe when he comes back, I can't think of any reason why we're going to need any of this. But right now, we only know in part, and so we need what the Spirit of God has to say. But there are books written on this, libraries that are full on this topic, so we're not going to solve the problem today, but I do want to teach you, and let's go to these gifts, all right? First of all, they're in three categories. Can everybody look here uh, if you're taking notes? The first one is a category of revelation. All right, this is a word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and discerning of spirits. The next one is the inspirational gifts. Uh, and this, this is definitely where prophecy is listed. And then we know that unknown language and then the interpretation of that. The third one are the power gifts. This is the gift of faith, gift of miracles, and gift of healing. So I'm going to break these down just real quick. Because the Holy Spirit to me is like the central intelligence agency. Someone pointed that out to me this week. And uh, when we talk, we talk about the present and the past, and we have hope for the future. But Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when the Holy Spirit speaks, he speaks just the same about the past, the present, and and then even the future. That's why it's so good for you not to say, I'm just going to move over here. I'm going to start this business. I'm going to buy this house without first saying, Lord, is this your will? Keep that in mind. A word of knowledge. The definition of this is divine knowledge to help us know God's will. Raise your hand if you would like to know from heaven what his will is. Come on, even if you're Baptist, raise your hand in church, all right? All right. I've never shared this that I remember at church, but Michelle and I had broke up. I didn't believe a lot of these type things. And uh, we had been dating for two years, and we split up, and I missed her. The Bible school that I was in, this is all around 1987, 88, and, uh, and I didn't like our Bible school. I hated it. I loved some of the stuff I was learning, but it was far away, and it was just, it wasn't working. One, one teacher, and uh, everybody had left, and it's like, what am I? And then uh, I didn't know what the Lord was calling me to do. And the strange part, it's awkward to even tell you, is I had some multi-millionaire friends who we started a business right before the Lord called me, and they were all becoming extremely rich, and they called me one night, and they said, Rick, from my friend Scott Plankin, who listens in on most weekends, and he said, Rick, if you'll move back to Orlando today, we'll make you an equal partner, and you will be a multi-millionaire just by showing up. So I said, okay, I'm out, you know. And, uh, but I packed my car, and I went to one more church service. And I just trembled at the rest of this because I decided to leave. I was gone. I went to church, and it was a worship night. This team came in and was leading worship. And at the end of the service, we were done, and a man stood in front of the church. And he goes, before we leave, I just want to have a word for the, this man in the purple shirt. And I looked behind me. And, and then 
I said, I had an LSU shirt on. I said, me? He goes, yes, you. And I was like, oh, Lord, this is the last thing I want. I don't want to have anything to do with this. It's just weird. And he said, I want you to come up here. It's like, oh, gosh. So I walked up to the front, and, and uh, he said, I have a word for you. He said, the Lord just showed me that you're about to quit Bible school. And I'm like, okay, I'm listening. And he said, and you're worried about a relationship that is broken down. He said, and you're worried about God's call. He said, if you leave, you're going to miss it. And, uh, and then he gave me the word. He said, within the next three months, the Lord showed me. While we were leading worship, I kept looking over at you. He said, the Lord showed me the next three months, that relationship that you're concerned about, the Lord's going to put it back together. Number two that the ministry that God is calling you to do, the doors are going to open up above your dreams. And number three, the Bible school is going to change. Within three months, the Bible school moved to the church that hired me to be a youth pastor, and Michelle and I were engaged. Get you some of that. So, all I'm trying to say is, maybe that was the one moment in 2,000 years where that gift was needed. And if gifts cease, then that means there's not been one miracle in 2,000 years. Not one. Second one is a word of wisdom. This is divine wisdom to perplexing problems. Another one is discerning spirits. This is divine revelation and insights to detect warnings from the Holy Spirit. There are times where we need warnings. Another one. Under the inspirational gifts is prophecy. This is speaking divine words not yet conceived by human thought about things to come. And, uh, and I just I want to say a word about this, that we, we got to be really careful around this gift. I, I don't understand it. I, I don't really know of anybody uh, that I can point to that I think has this all the time. I believe when the Spirit of God pours out some of these things on the church... In modern times, it won't be one person. Just think if I had the gift of healing uh, and everybody I prayed for was healed, can you imagine how many people would be trying to get into this church? Within three weeks, I would be a household name in the body of Christ. I, I, I could get rich off of it. I could sell books. And that would be the opposite of what the Holy Spirit wants. He doesn't want anyone to get the glory. He wants it. So when these things happen, I think it'll be a small group here, a small group there, a little lady over here, a young man there, anybody. I believe the Lord is going to move around because he doesn't want anyone to take the, the credit for anything. And then when you prophesy, let's just think about it for a second. You're also saying, thus saith the Lord, which is the same thing that the Old Testament and the New Testament says. So if that is from God, should we get it right? You bet you we should. And should we even write it down to study it right along scripture? Probably not. But my goodness, thus saith the Lord is a bold thing to say. We don't even take the scripture that was not canonized and study it. If I, if I mention one of the Maccabees or any Bible book to you that was close to making the cut and didn't, we don't even read those now. So you can imagine how important it is that we get this right. Are y'all out there? So I do believe that we need to know what the Spirit of God is trying to say. But unknown languages, this is the utterance given by someone not in their native language. And, and I just want to be clear, this is, not the, this is not a prayer language. 
I do not have this gift. I don't know of anybody right now who does. I'm sure there are. But this is not a prayer language. Prayer language is something completely different. This is when you speak and someone else actually even interprets what you said. Which gets us to the next gift. The interpretation of unknown language. These are the ones that I have the most trouble understanding. This is the supernatural ability to interpret that unknown language that was given by a gift. And then you have the power gifts, the gifts of faith, divine ability to believe God without human doubt. Could y'all look here for a minute? I haven't had many of those, and I certainly don't have this one all the time, but there are certain times where I just believe it and no voice can penetrate my faith. I just know this is of God, and I'm sure that it's going to be okay. That is a great gift from God. Here's another one, the gift of healing, divine power to pray for the sick. It's a healing from heaven. Although the Lord uses doctors and other means, I mean, aspirin has saved people's lives before, but he uses the medical community. uh, And so there's a lot of ways heaven can move. But I think sometimes it's just praying over someone and they are supernaturally healed. Sometimes they die. Sometimes they're healed. But I do believe that the Spirit of God in the latter times, we would see more of this if we believed more of this. And then the working of miracles. Divine moments and events that cannot be explained in the natural. All right? Now listen, everybody. I got to go. I got two other campuses to go to that I speak to every weekend. And I'm going to head that way. But I'm just going to tell you. You need more of the Spirit of God in your home. When I was raising my kids, I, I, I would tell them, we would get together for family night and I would pray over them and, and then I would look at them. The Lord gave me this. He inspired this. I think it was like a word of knowledge. If you don't want to go all the way to a spooky zone, then I know you can travel with me on this. And I would look at them and say, listen, kids, Hunter, if we're led by the Spirit of God, one day you're going to marry a girl who's going to be best friends with my daughters. And then Haley, one day, you're going to marry a young man who's going to be best friends with my sons. And Tanner, one day you're going to marry a girl who is going to be best friends with my daughters. And Grace, you're going to marry a man who I'm not going to like. No, I'm kidding. You're going to marry a man who's going to be best friends with both my daughters. So what this means is I've been pastoring a long time and I know for sure a counterfeit is going to come your way. It's going to happen to all of us. And so I just want us to pray right now when that happens that the Spirit of God will reveal it and that He will tell all of us and we'll all confirm it because of His grace. Every one of my kids had a counterfeit trying to move through. And so then we would pray. And my kids pointed it out. That ain't who you're supposed to marry. I'll tell you that right now. And then other times, everybody in my family loved the person, but it just wasn't the Lord's will. And so I'm just thankful for the presence of God that likes to 
linger and move throughout our homes. But it's not going to happen if we don't welcome him. So let's bow our heads. Hey guys, Pastor Bronson here. Just want to say thank you for listening in. Uh, our hope and our prayer is that this podcast equips you on your walk, your journey with Jesus. And so please like, subscribe, share, help us spread the word. We love you.